Thank you very much, Naomi. Let's pray together. Father, you are worthy of any praise that we can bring to you. In light of your character, your being, in light of your works, in light of your work in our life through Christ. And we desire to bring praise to you as we interact with your word by hearing and then seeking to live your word in our daily lives. We want to be those who hear and obey for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Spent a number of weeks dealing with some absolute basics. Before that, we were dealing with First Peter. So this morning and for a couple of weeks, we're going to go back to First Peter, and then we'll go to a couple more absolute basics, you know, alternating between the two. But First Peter, we'll be in First Peter chapter 2 this morning. And as you're turning there, recognize that we live in a country for which we have much to be thankful for. But there's a tension in how to live well when there are some things taking place that we consider unwise, maybe wrong, or even evil. The whole immigration deal, how do you live and how do you respond with that? How about marriage? No defining marriage, how do you live well in our world today? The issue of abortion and also the right to die. Abortion on the younger and the right to die and the when you get older. Sexuality, you know, just all kinds of things, you know, being said. But how do we live well as Christians for God's glory in such an environment? Let's read together First Peter 2, beginning with verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as supreme or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Remember, Peter is writing to individuals, a church, churches, that are going through persecution. And the persecution is not coming from the government. The persecution coming from neighbors. Maybe a fellow slave. Maybe a family member. A husband. A wife. Or maybe parents or children. Depends on who was a believer and who was not a believer. But they're facing difficulty. And as Peter writes, he emphasizes their identity. Who they are in Christ. And he talks about the fact that they've experienced a new birth. They have a living hope. They're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. But in the context of persecution and explaining their identity, he also teaches how to live as aliens and strangers in this world. And in the verses we read in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, Peter here begins to explain how God's elect who are strangers in the world, or to relate to the social, the political authority of the world in which they lived. 
It may have been tempting for God's elect, especially in this, we might say, pagan society, to conclude that their loyalties to Christ are a license for rebellion against the ungodly authorities who govern them. Govern them. In Peter's view, God's elect must be subject even to pagan authorities, even to those in the Roman Empire, who at the time Peter wrote may have been Claudius or Nero. Not only must God's elect be subjective to secular authorities, but they must also do good. For by doing good, they'll silence the slanderous talk. That is against God's elect. And we find he begins this section after encouraging the people to live as aliens and strangers. As he encourages them that they may be accused of wrongdoing, but they are to continue to do good. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Whether to the king as a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by God to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He talks about submission. And this isn't the only time he mentions submission. We find in verse 18, he says, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters. In chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. In chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. In chapter 3 and verse 22, Who have gone into heaven, that's Christ, and are at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. And then we find in chapter 5 and verse 5, he exhorts younger men to be submissive to older men. Submissive used in a variety of places. The word submit means to range under voluntarily. Being under the influence, again, voluntarily. Rendering obedience, again, voluntarily. All of those terms tied in with submission. But submission, as you look at it biblically, is voluntarily. One chooses to submit freely, deliberately. Submit yourself, he says, for the Lord's sake. Submission is not only merely about God's elect, but the Lord. To resist human authority is to resist the Lord. I ponder that. To resist human authority is to resist the Lord. The Lord's appointed human has appointed human authorities. There's a theological basis for obedience. We honor the Lord by submitting to governmental authorities. And he says, every authority. And Peter goes on to explain what he means by every authority to them, to the king. They had kings in that day. And the governors, he says, that's who you're to submit to. We live in a different culture today. We do not have kings. We don't have governors they would 
as they would have had at that time. And we live in a very mild culture in contrast to what the Roman rule would have been at times. And he says, submit for the Lord's sake. I think applicable to the day and age in which we live. And he says, these authorities are sent by God to punish those who do wrong. To execute that which is right, to execute justice. To punish those who do wrong and to commend or applaud those who do right. He says that's what they're given for. If you want to turn there, a few books earlier in Titus 3, 1 and 2, as Paul writes to Titus, he says in Titus 3, 1 and 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do what is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. Again, the idea, the culture in which they were living, responding to governmental authorities. How often today, and I think probably in Peter's day, have God's elect raised the question, what's God's will for my life? Peter answers that in verse 15. For it is God's will. For it is God's will. What is God's will? That by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. God's will for Peter's hearers, and I think for us today, is to do good. And in the context of 1 Peter, the good would be involved in relating to authorities and submitting to authorities. I think also in light of the context, it would involve the heart attitude, not criticism of whether it be Nero or other rulers in that time, Not not trying to make them to change or complaining about them, the continual obedience, even when it hurts. Doing good in that setting. Doing good, Peter says, will silence the talk of foolish men. Foolish is referring to unwise, ill-considerate, which implies people that would not be walking with God and sensitive to him. But he says, in the context of submitting to authorities, you silence their talk by doing good. What is doing good? Submitting to their authority? Contributing to the well-being of one's community. As you read through Peter, Peter is saying, do good. People may persecute you, but contribute to the well-being of your community. And now, in that context, I'd like you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah is writing to people who are in Babylonian captivity. They're in Babylon. Jeremiah is writing a letter from Jerusalem to those in captivity 
We're not going to read the entire letter, but read a small part of it in Jeremiah 29 and verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, the Lord Almighty is speaking. All those I carried, the Lord was behind there going into exile. He says in verse 5, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And then he goes on. What is Jeremiah saying? These Babylonians took you into exile. Now that you're in exile, you're in a foreign country, you're in Babylon, I want you to pray for this city. I want you to do good. Seek the prosperity of Babylon, the city to which I've carried you. So here's people in exile, they're in a foreign country, and Jeremiah says, the Lord tells you to seek the prosperity of Babylon. Do good. Pray for the city. I think Peter is saying, back in First Peter now, to the people to whom he is writing, you're aliens, you're strangers. Do good. In the culture in which you live. Going beyond the norm, so to speak. And what will be involved? You'll silence the talk. You'll silence the talk of foolish men. These men, foolish men, who respond in ignorance to believers with words, criticism, speaking down about the elect, do good. As the elect obey authorities, seek the well-being of the area in which they live, help those hurting in their neighborhood, the response of foolish men is muzzled. It is hushed because it becomes obvious that they have no ulterior motive. They're just serving God. In Peter's day, as they were being persecuted, they just patiently went on with living Silence the talk of foolish men. They live good lives, helping the neighbor who is going through difficulty, helping a fellow slave. Silence the talk of foolish men. A husband choosing to love his wife, caring for her, even though that created tension and criticism because of the culture, which we'll discuss in the future. He just continues to do that. that. He's doing good. They refuse to criticize the government just doing good. They use their financial resources to help someone in need. They continue to do good. Now think about doing good in the culture in which we live. Refuse to criticize, tear down, and speak evil of the government. When we say, I have free speech in America, but free speech in America does not override what God says about how we should respond to those in authority. 
doing good, voting, doing good, obeying civil government, the laws, the taxes, willingly. Contribute to society, help the poor in our community. Reach out to orphans, that may be adoption, foster parenting. Help someone who's been through an abortion, who is considering abortion. Just care for that person and love them. How about befriending someone who's struggling with their sexuality? Befriend those who come to our country and move into our communities. Taking a fatherless child under your wing. Helping a struggling husband or wife to know how to respond to their mate. As you look at the history of our country, you will find that people have walked with God and they have done good. Yale, Harvard, both started by Christians. Many colleges in our country started by Christians. How many hospitals have been started by believers? How many believers in our country and other countries have stayed and helped people who are going through diseases? And you go back years ago, during some of the plagues in Europe, believers stayed in their communities and cared for people. Just doing good. We have people in our community who go through sickness and they face death. Doing good to them, visiting them. They may, someone may pass away. You provide a funeral for them. You provide a meal for them. You stop in and visit them. Just doing good. In the midst of criticism that may come. Christians are to be strangers and aliens as far as the sinful ways of the life of the world is concerned. But where there is a case of doing good, they're to take an active part. Our actions and our words, whether in Peter's day or today, can silence the talk of foolish men. Do good. Then Peter goes on. Live as free men. Live as free men. Free stands in opposition to slavery. Slavery tying in with being bound, being limited. No, restricted. Freedom, being unrestricted, unfettered, no dominion by sin. And I think he's dealing with how responses take place. Submitting to civil authority for God's glory. Out of a want to, not a have to. Big difference there. I think there's two qualifications. Freedom to do what is right voluntarily. Redemption here is understood as a change of masters rather than conferring of absolute freedom. God's slaves don't claim that their freedom allows them to do wrong and to disobey human authority. Secondly, their freedom does not permit them to disobey God, whose slaves they are, nor by extension disobey those who are put in authority over them. Freely obeying authority. It's like driving down the highway and seeing a speed limit sign. You think, I'll obey so I don't get caught. 
That's different than saying, I'll obey because I want to do good. Because I'm free, I'm willfully choosing to place myself under the government. But apparently, freedom brings with it a downside, the temptation to use it as a cover-up for evil, because Peter says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Well, I'm free. I don't have to obey because I'm a believer. I've experienced God's grace. I'm not under law, so I can criticize authorities. I can disobey. I think it also may involve seeking to protect self rather than responding as a servant of God. I'm a Christian now. I'm free in Christ. I can speak any way I want about the government. Peter says, don't use it as a cover-up for evil. In the context of free and not being a cover-up for evil, responding and doing good, I think can be illustrated by a couple people. Probably many of us have heard the name Johnny Erickson Tata. Paralyzed from the neck down. And that happened, I think, when she was 18 years old. And she's written some powerful materials. And she can speak to governmental officials in a different way than some people can. Because she and Johnny and friends are doing good. Not only in her own country, but worldwide. They may criticize her. They may criticize her ministry. They may find fault. But they're silenced because of the good that is being done. Years ago, at uh, one of the national prayer breakfasts, there was a little old lady at that time called Mother Teresa. Spoke at the prayer breakfast. And she very, very clearly and adamantly spoke her mind on abortion. Didn't pull any punches whatsoever. And President Clinton, who was president of that time, was sitting there. You did not hear criticism of her because the talk was silenced, because she had been doing good, helping people in India, in the ghettos, in the down and out, for years and years and years, and getting no return on it. The silence of evil men. I'm sorry, the evil talk of men silenced by doing good. And think about closer home in our own community where you have a neighbor. You continue to care for that neighbor and minister to that elderly neighbor. You take meals in. You love them to death. And someone criticizes you because you're a believer and you just keep doing good. You don't defend yourself. You just keep doing good. An example close to home for me. Years ago, I chose to take some action. And I was criticized quite strongly by some people in the community. I was attacked. And some things were spread about me that were not true. And someone came up to me and said, Pastor, what are you going to do about this? I said, nothing. I'm just going to continue to live, and I'm going to continue to do good. It'll be obvious that 
what was being said about me is not true. That's Peter's idea. Criticism of Peter's hearers. And he says, do good. Just keep doing good. You silence the talk of foolish men. Whether some of you realize it or not, you have been criticized and some thought has been directed towards you. How do I know? Because I've heard some. And I'm glad I can say, you may say that, but look at their life. They, as an individual who believe in God, just continue to do good even though you criticize them. You don't have a leg to stand on. Do good. Believers are not to despise those who are not believers, nor hate because they're being persecuted or being treated with contempt. Just continue to do good. Day in and day out. Living as free people. I don't have to be under the yoke of bondage. I don't have to be under the yoke of criticism or bitterness. I just freely and willfully continue to do good. Even though people may talk against me. Again, that's where Peter is coming from. Live as servants of God. You're aliens, you're strangers, but you've been called by God. Now live as his servant. As you respond to governmental authority, as you respond to being evil spoken of. Sexuality, you know, just all kinds of things, you know, being said. But how do we live well as Christians for God's glory in such an environment? Let's read together 1 Peter 2, beginning with verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as supreme or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Remember, Peter is writing to individuals, a church, churches, that are going through persecution. And the persecution is not coming from the government. The persecution coming from neighbors. Maybe a fellow slave. Maybe a family member. A husband. A wife. Or maybe parents or children depends on who was a believer and who was not a believer. But they're facing difficulty. And as Peter writes, he emphasizes their identity, who they are in Christ. And he talks about the fact that they've experienced a new birth. They have a living hope. They're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. 
But in the context of persecution and explaining their identity, he also teaches how to live as aliens and strangers in this world. And in the verses we read in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, Peter here begins to explain how God's elect, who are strangers in the world, are to relate to the social, the political authority of the world in which they lived. It may have been tempting for God's elect, especially in this, we might say, pagan society, to conclude that their loyalties to Christ are a license for rebellion against the ungodly authorities who govern them. Govern them. In Peter's view, God's elect must be subject even to pagan authorities, even to those in the Roman Empire, who at the time Peter wrote may have been Claudius or Nero. Not only must God's elect be subjective to secular authorities, but they must also do good. For by doing good, they'll silence the slanderous talk that is against God's elect. And we find he begins this section after encouraging the people to live as aliens and strangers, as he encourages them that they may be accused of wrongdoing, but they are to continue to do good. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to Governors who are sent by God to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He talks about submission. And this isn't the only time he mentions submission. We find in verse 18, he says, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters. In chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. In chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. In chapter 3 and verse 22, who have gone into heaven, that's Christ, and are at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. And then we find in chapter 5 and verse 5, he exhorts younger men to be submissive to older men. Submissive used in a variety of places. The word submit means to range under voluntarily. Being under the influence, again, voluntarily. Rendering obedience, again, voluntarily. All of those terms tied in with submission. But submission, as you look at it biblically, is voluntarily. One chooses to submit freely, deliberately. Submit yourself, he says, for the Lord's sake. Submission is not only merely about God's elect, but the Lord. To resist human authority is to resist the Lord. Ponder that. To resist human authority is to resist the Lord. 
The Lord's appointed human has appointed human authorities. There's a theological basis for obedience. We honor the Lord by submitting to governmental authorities. And he says, every authority. And Peter goes on to explain what he means by every authority to them, to the king. They had kings in that day. And the governors, he says, that's who you're to submit to. We live in a different culture today. We do not have kings. We don't have governors they would have, as they would have had at that time. And we live in a very mild culture in contrast to what the Roman rule would have been at times. And he says, submit for the Lord's sake. I think applicable to the day and age in which we live. And he says these authorities are sent by God to punish those who do wrong. To execute that which is right, to execute justice. To punish those who do wrong and to commend or applaud those who do right. He says that's what they're given for. You want to turn there a few books earlier in Titus 3, 1 and 2. As Paul writes to Titus, he says in Titus 3, 1 and 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do what is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. Again, the idea, the culture in which they were living, responding to governmental authorities. How often today, and I think probably in Peter's day, have God's elect raised the question, what's God's will for my life? Peter answers that in verse 15. For it is God's will. For it is God's will. What is God's will? That by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. God's will for Peter's hearers, and I think for us today, is to do good. And in the context of 1 Peter, the good would be involved in relating to authorities and submitting to authorities. I think also in light of the context, it would involve the hard attitude, not criticism of whether it be Nero or other rulers in that time, not not trying to make them to change or complaining about them, the continued obedience even when it hurts, doing good in that setting. Doing good, Peter says, will silence the talk of foolish men. Foolish is referring to unwise, ill-considerate, which implies people that would not be walking with God and sensitive to him. But he says, in the context of submitting to authorities, you silence their talk by doing good. What is doing good? Submitting to their authority? contributing to the well-being of one's community. 
As you read through Peter, Peter is saying, do good. People may persecute you, but contribute to the well-being of your community. And now in that context, I'd like you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah is writing to people who are in Babylonian captivity. They're in Babylon. Jeremiah is writing a letter from Jerusalem to those in captivity. We're not going to read the entire letter, but read a small part of it in Jeremiah 29 and verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, the Lord Almighty is speaking. All those I carried, the Lord was behind there going into exile. He says in verse 5, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because... If it prospers, you too will prosper. And then he goes on. What is Jeremiah saying? These Babylonians took you into exile. Now that you're in exile, you're in a foreign country, you're in Babylon, I want you to pray for this city. I want you to do good. Seek the prosperity of Babylon, the city to which I've carried you. So here's people in exile. They're in a foreign country. And Jeremiah says, the Lord tells you to seek the prosperity of Babylon. Do good. Pray for the city. I think Peter is saying, back in 1 Peter now, to the people to whom he is writing, you're aliens, you're strangers. Do good. In the culture in which you live going beyond the norm, so to speak. And what will be involved? You'll silence the talk. You'll silence the talk of foolish men. These men, foolish men, who respond in ignorance to believers with words Criticism, speaking down about the elect, do good. As the elect obey authorities, seek the well-being of the area in which they live, help those hurting in their neighborhood, the response of foolish men is muzzled. It is hushed because it becomes obvious that they have no ulterior motive. They're just serving God. In Peter's day, As they were being persecuted, they just patiently went on with living. Silence the talk of foolish men. They lived good lives, helping the neighbor who was going through difficulty, helping a fellow slave. Silence the talk of foolish men. A husband choosing to love his wife, caring for her, even though that created tension and criticism because of the culture, which we'll discuss in the future. He just continues to do that. that. He's doing good. They refuse to criticize the government. 
just doing good. They use their financial resources to help someone in need. They continue to do good. Now think about doing good in the culture in which we live. Refuse to criticize, tear down, and speak evil of the government. Well, we say, I have free speech in America. But free speech in America does not override what God says about how we should respond to those in authority. Doing good, voting, doing good, obeying civil government, the laws, the taxes, willingly. Contribute to society, help the poor in our community. Reach out to orphans, that may be adoption, foster parenting. Help someone who's been through an abortion, who is considering abortion. Just care for that person and love them. How about befriending someone who's struggling with their sexuality? Befriend those who come to our country and move into our communities. Taking a fatherless child under your wing. Helping a struggling husband or wife to know how to respond to their mate. As you look at the history of our country, you will find that people have walked with God and they have done good. Yale, Harvard, both started by Christians. Many colleges in our country started by Christians. How many hospitals have been started by believers? How many believers in our country and other countries have stayed and helped people who are going through diseases? And you go back years ago, during some of the plagues in Europe, believers stayed in their communities and cared for people. Just doing good. We have people in our community who go through sickness and they face death. Doing good to them, visiting them. They may, someone may pass away. You provide a funeral for them. You provide a meal for them. You stop in and visit them. Just doing good. In the midst of criticism that may come. Christians are to be strangers and aliens as far as the sinful ways of the life of the world is concerned. But where there is a case of doing good, they're to take an active part. Our actions and our words, whether in Peter's day or today, can silence the talk of foolish men. Do good. Then Peter goes on. Live as free men. Live as free men. Free stands in opposition to slavery. Slavery tying in with being bound, being limited. No, restricted. Freedom, being unrestricted, unfettered, no dominion by sin. And I think he's dealing with how responses take place. Submitting to civil authority for God's glory. Out of a want to, not a have to. Big difference there. I think there's two qualifications. Freedom to do what is right voluntarily. Redemption here is understood as a change of masters rather than conferring of absolute freedom. 
God's slaves don't claim that their freedom allows them to do wrong and to disobey human authority. Secondly, their freedom does not permit them to disobey God, whose slaves they are, nor by extension disobey those who are put in authority over them. Freely obeying authority. It's like driving down the highway and seeing a speed limit sign. You think, I'll obey so I don't get caught. That's different than saying, I'll obey because I want to do good. Because I'm free. I'm willfully choosing to place myself under the government. But apparently, freedom brings with it a downside, the temptation to use it as a cover-up for evil. Because Peter says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up. For evil. Well, I'm free. I don't have to obey because I'm a believer. I've experienced God's grace. I'm not under law, so I can criticize authorities. I can disobey. I think it also may involve seeking to protect self rather than responding as a servant of God. I'm a Christian now, I'm free in Christ. I can speak any way I want about the government. Peter says, don't use it as a cover-up for evil. In the context of free and not being a cover-up for evil, responding and doing good, I think can be illustrated by a couple people. Probably many of us have heard the name Johnny Erickson Tata. Paralyzed from the neck down. And that happened, I think, when she was 18 years old. And she's written some powerful materials. And she can speak to governmental officials in a different way than some people can. Because she and Johnny and friends are doing good. Not only in her own country, but worldwide. They may criticize her. They may criticize her ministry. They may find fault. But they're silenced because of the good that is being done. Years ago, at uh, one of the national prayer breakfasts, there was a little old lady at that time called Mother Teresa. Spoke at the prayer breakfast. And she very, very clearly and adamantly spoke her mind on abortion. Didn't pull any punches whatsoever. And President Clinton, who was president of that time, was sitting there. You did not hear criticism of her. Because the talk was silenced. Because she had been doing good, helping people in India, in the ghettos, in the down and out, for years and years and years and getting no return on it. The silence of evil men, I'm sorry, the evil talk of men silenced by doing good. And think about closer home in our own community where you have a neighbor, you continue to care for that neighbor and minister to that elderly neighbor. You take meals in, you love them to death. And someone criticizes you because you're a believer and you just keep doing good. 
You don't defend yourself. You just keep doing good. An example close to home for me. Years ago, I chose to take some action. And I was criticized quite strongly by some people in the community. I was attacked. And some things were spread about me that were not true. And someone came up to me and said, Pastor, what are you going to do about this? I said, nothing. I'm just going to continue to live, and I'm going to continue to do good. It'll be obvious that what was being said about me is not true. That's Peter's idea. Criticism of Peter's hearers. And he says, do good. Just keep doing good. You silence the talk of foolish men. Whether some of you realize it or not, you have been criticized and some thought has been directed towards you. How do I know? Because I've heard some. And I'm glad I can say, you may say that, but look at their life. They, as an individual who believe in God, Just continue to do good even though you criticize them. You don't have a leg to stand on. Do good. Believers are not to despise those who are not believers, nor hate because they're being persecuted or being treated with contempt. Just continue to do good. Day in and day out. Living as free people. I don't have to be under the yoke of bondage. I don't have to be under the yoke of criticism or bitterness. I just freely and willfully continue to do good. Even though people may talk against me. Again, that's where Peter is coming from. Live as servants of God. You're aliens, you're strangers, but you've been called by God. Now live as his servant. As you respond to governmental authority, as you respond to being evil spoken of, continue to do good. And then he goes on to say, and we'll discuss it in the future, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. I think we've considered some what we might call heavy scripture this morning. As believers in Christ, our lives are to create thirst. We can't make unbelievers desire God or Christ, but we can feed them sought by living according to God's will. My father-in-law, different times over the years, would say, I've heard the statement, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And he had some experience with horses. My father-in-law would say, Yes, you can make them drink. 
What do you do? Hold part of their mouth underwater till they drink? No. You put a little salt in their feed. And you create thirst. And Peter is saying, you live in an alien and foreign culture. This is not your home. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Obey authority. Live well. Do good. And in the process, what happens? Thirst is created. That's why Peter says later in chapter 3, in verse 15, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you of the reason for the hope that you have. So some of the people in Peter's culture, the culture in which Peter's hearers lived, would have been saying, the earl, why do you keep loving Donna? Don't you know that in the culture in which we live, you're seen as hurting our community? And I'll explain that in weeks to come. Why do you keep loving her? Because I'm a servant of God. Chip, why do you keep doing things to help kids to learn? You know, just about game and hunting and so on. Don't you know that some of these kids are causing you problems or will cause problems in our culture? I recognize that. But I'm a servant of the King. I'm a servant of Christ. He's working in my life. I want to help people. And Chip just continues to do good. Statement has been made to me already. Why does your church do funeral meals for people in your community? Because we want to do good. We're aliens or strangers here. We care for people. And we don't feel we have to have any money for that. Just want to care for people. That may, that's in light of doing good in the midst of some criticism. Just continue to do good. I won't, but I could take examples from some of you individually and just say, keep doing good. Just do good. It's a pattern of life. No one may ever see it that you think matters. Peter's exhortation is to do good. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that we have experienced the sanctifying work of your Spirit. We have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. 
And in your mercy, you've given us new birth. You've given us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We know that we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you. And it's our desire to declare your praises as we live each day. As we respond to governmental authority. And if criticism may come, we just continue to do good for your glory. And in that context, Father, we know that you're the God of all grace who has called us to your eternal glory in Christ. And that after we have suffered a little while, you will restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. And to you, Father, be power forever and ever. Amen. In Christ's name, amen.